Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into a new passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got another question. All right, here it is. If you could invent a holiday, what would it be? Oh, holidays. Holidays are for things that you want to celebrate or Mm -hmm. see happen more often, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I think my holiday is bring your pastor a milkshake day. Ooh. That's that's what I wanna that's what I wanna see happen. Is that self serving? Yes. But when does this holiday take place? Like <laughs> is every that day of the week. Self-serving. Did you just ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's self serving. And wow, of all the things a milkshake. You could have people bring a pastor. I well, I think it's I think it's a doable. Like that's you know What like, flavor? Oh, well, if I was uh, a mint milkshake is my favorite, anything with chocolate. So I don't know. We'll have to pick a date. Is this bring a pastor a milkshake day or bring (laughs) Clayton a milkshake milkshake day? day. Let's be very specific about this holiday. Mm -hmm. If Clayton is teaching on a weekend, you can bring him a gift card to a place where he can get a milkshake. Uh, Or you you could just bring the milkshake. You just bring the milkshake. Okay. I'd take it. That's amazing. When we we do our live podcast on stage, you bring me a milkshake. Did everybody hear that? When we record the live podcast during the summer teaching series, bring milkshakes to church and bring them to the stage for Clayton while we are recording the podcast. That would be you. You will meet our security team if you do that. (laughs) Not, not would be. I'm I'm putting it out there for everyone listening to bring milkshakes for Clayton while we're recording the live podcast. Somebody wants to bring me a milkshake. And yes, yes, too. if you try to get on the stage, you will find out that there are security ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might not want to do that. Um, but that's great. Walking up we, to the stage, yeah, you can and do putting it. a milkshake in near the, the stage of Clayton. <laughs> Thou shalt not draw near to the great yeah. Clayton We'll just team. notify oh security ahead of time. Oh my gosh, it's getting worse The security worse. teams will swarm. <laughs> I was just trying to honor his holiday. <laughs> All right, Eric, what about you? Uh, I don't know what to name of the holiday, but it is. it should be a national holiday whenever the U.S. women's or men's national soccer team is playing a World Cup game. It should be a everybody national holiday, work off, Nice. everybody stay home and watch the game. Okay, that's good. All right, so mine is, uh, I'm going to call it New Combinations Day, which there probably is that kind of holiday out there already. But it's this idea of combining or pairing two foods or flavors that you normally wouldn't. And I'm throwing back to that time when I said dark chocolate and fresh raspberries. Now, granted, dark chocolate and raspberries is a thing because you get like cake with filling and candy with filling. But I'm talking about fresh raspberries and dark chocolate. The amount of people that have told me, I would never do that. I'm like, why? So, new combinations day. Pair two foods that you wouldn't normally do it. See how they work. All right, let's get into this one. Uh, We are in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to be doing verses 22 to 37. Let me give you a little context here. Uh, Jesus has been teaching. He has been traveling around the country performing miracles. His ministry has picked up, which means a lot of people have started following him, but also that has generated a lot of opposition. So as the book of Matthew continues, you have probably seen more uh, debates and conflict between Jesus and religious teachers and people who objected to what he was doing. And this is one of the kind of culminating moments. This is kind of the, the height of the conflict here. Well, until the very end when the conflict gets deadly. Um, But in terms of accusations against Jesus, this is one of the big ones. So we're going to read it in verse 22 to 37. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him. 
so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. All right, let's talk about the O in comma, which is observation. What do you guys see? I love the logical argument that he's having right now like in a very like uh, emotional setting like somebody could get, get like he just compared me to satan jesus is like nope let me just lay this out for you very clearly very definitively this is here are the contrasts uh, and i i just i love that it's interesting that he actually uses their logic against them mm-hmm. in a sense because the, the the logic that the pharisees have is they're saying all right if he can order demons around well, who's allowed to order demons around? Well, certainly the, the prince of demons, right? You know, like it's if, if you found a soldier doing something and you say, well, who can tell this soldier what to do? Well, it's going to be the general, right? Like it's whoever's in charge is allowed to order this person around. So if they're ordering them around and doing what they're saying, it must be the general. They must be on the same team, same army. Jesus says, well, actually, you know, if you think about it as an army or you think about it as a kingdom, if they're against each other, like if the thing that's being ordered is something that is contrary to the aims of their army, well, then maybe you think the person who's doing the ordering isn't on the same team. He's saying, what if the reason they answer to me is not because I'm on their team, but because I'm stronger than them, <laughs> and, and so I can tell them what to do. I'm the other army, and I have now captured them. So there's a, there's a certain amount of like, all right, let's, let's play out this scenario. What do you think would happen if someone ordered a demon to you know do something that was contrary to, to their ends? You know, who would that person be? So he's, he's uh, unraveling their kind of foolish accusation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and goes a little bit further by saying, and if you think the only way that demons will listen to any instructions is from the prince of demons, well, then how are your religious leaders dealing with evil spirits? Are they also demonic? 
Yeah, it's it's it, it cuts both ways. It, it really ends up like they've kind of uh, walked into it themselves. But at first, it, it probably sounded like, ooh, maybe that is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the crowds, like the people, have a very different um, conclusion to what they're seeing than the Pharisees. They say, well, maybe this is the son of David. Maybe maybe this is the king who's finally supposed to come. They're they're thinking this is a good thing. The Pharisees, and I mean the difference between the the, the crowds and the Pharisees, is that the Pharisees have something at stake here. They're going to lose some influence. Mm-hmm. They, they see Jesus as a rival, a competitor, and so uh, uh, they have an automatically negative like wait wait let's read this the worst possible way because we've got something at stake here. Another observation verse. Let's see thirty. 31, uh, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven, right? One of the most asked questions in Christianity, have I committed the one sin that cannot be forgiven? And exactly what is it? So I can make sure I don't do it, or people are afraid that they already have, in fact, committed it. He's just throwing that out there. And that's my observation. This is a confusing Well, this is a comma method. Yeah. (laughs) We're in observations. We're not in solutions right now. Uh, Should we help people a little bit? All right. Here's what I would recommend. When you come across something that is one of those big question marks that you say, I don't know what to do with this, especially if it makes you a little bit nervous, Uh, two principles that are really helpful. The first is this. Let clear things interpret unclear things. So there are lots of things in the Bible that are very, very clear. And a lot of things in the Bible that you say, I don't know what to make of this. When you're trying to like figure out things, start with the stuff you already know. Start with the clear things. Um, and what we know in this case, uh, very clearly in lots of places, we are we are told we are shown the wideness of God's forgiveness for all sorts of things, um, and including people who at one point said, "I'm opposed to Jesus." So if you're wondering, you know how how against uh, Jesus can you be and still be forgiven? Look at the life of Paul, okay? If if Paul, who is killing people because he's convinced that Jesus is an imposter, can be forgiven, well, that's a, a pretty far uh, extreme. So you, you know that's very, very clear. The other thing we know is really clear is that it says um, that when you look at judgment scenes, when you look at what uh, the Bible says about the end, the, the only people who are not saved are the people who... Uh, resist to the end. They say, I'm unrepentant of the things that I've done. So those are the things that we we know pretty clearly. And so that, when you're reading this, whatever you make of it, you should start with those things that you know. The other principle that's really helpful is to know that context is king, okay? So um, you've got to look at what's around it and not import all the things that it might mean from someplace else. Like, look at what Jesus is addressing. Um, and I think a few of the details, these are some of the observations that might help. Um, there, there's a very unique situation where Jesus is uh, demonstrating a pretty like unequivocally that he has power over evil spirits that he's he's coming in the the Pharisees are doing are accusing him not just of being an imposter or or mis, uh, a false teaching or something like that but saying you're on the side of the devil like it, it, it's we're picking sides here what what's going on who is Jesus he is with Satan he is on the devil's side um, and there's also something very um, uh, willful about it. it they, it's not that they've been, you know, not given enough evidence or whatever. They're deciding we're against Jesus. So some of those things together uh, make it a very particular situation that whatever you make of what this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, um, you don't want to like import a bunch of other uh, extra things. 
Yeah, worth repeating. Context is king. Everything finds its meaning in context. So whenever you come up on a tricky verse, avoid the temptation to pull out that verse from its context and just stare at it really hard and think really hard. Put it back in its context. This is a conversation about Jesus having authority over, over evil spirits and different responses to who, who Jesus is. Um, so you, you have to put it in that context. This is all about recognizing Jesus for who he is uh, and asking the question, well, who is he? And then what is an appropriate response to him? Um, and then you start getting closer to the answer of what is this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And in fact, the next verse says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, um, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So it's the question, what is the power behind what he is doing? Um, so it's like you might get the Jesus thing wrong at first, but if you go one step further and start saying, not only am I not sure about Jesus, but I'm going to draw conclusions that he is evil or he is not who he says he is. Well, okay, now you've taken it one step further. The The tricky part for people is they say, okay, well, what if at some point I did that? You know, if, if there was some part where I, I thought Jesus was not maybe a fraud, but maybe beyond that saying this, this is not good. I mean, there are people who will look at Christianity and say, this is bad for the world. This is coming from a bad place. Um, now, I don't know if there's a lot of modern people who are like, well, he's on the side of the devil. Um, but there is a sense of, no, I had a pretty strong rejection of Jesus as uh, and, and his people as not good, right? Um, so is that something I can come back from? Again, that's where the, the clear things of Scripture are helpful. Um, there is no example of a person in the Bible who repents and God says, sorry, that's not a thing you can, you, you can be forgiven of. Like, every repentant person is forgiven. There's not a person in the Bible who's like, yeah, I'd really like to be forgiven. I'd really like to have, uh, you know, t- change things. But, you know, what God says this one, this one keeps you out all the way. Um, we just don't have examples of that. So I'm, I'm pretty convinced that what this is is a definitive rejection of Jesus, not a temporary rejection where you changed your mind and repented. This is, no, all the way I'm out, which means at the end, they're still against Jesus. So there's, there's a... a like a, a weird, like specific setting where this happens, but the generalized thing of ultimately rejecting Jesus, I think is what we're talking about here. There are two extremes. One would be like a presumptuous comfort with God. We're flippant. There's a lack of respect. The other extreme would be an insecure nervousness where we think that God is just up in heaven waiting for us to mess up, hit us in the head with a hammer, we never quite are secure in our relationship with God. Uh, so it reminds me of this old SNL skit. So this will reveal my age. Okay, so the, I don't know. This is probably 40 years ago now. This might be an 80s, 90s thing. But there was a segment on SNL called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. <laughs> and, and here's one of them. If a kid asks where rain comes from, I think a cute thing to tell him is God is crying. And if he asks why God is crying, another cute thing to tell him is probably because of something you did. <laughs> and then it would conclude with, and this has been Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. Uh, I read that because normally when someone is asking the question, have I committed the unpardonable sin? There is an insecure nervousness where they kind of think with this Deep Thoughts of Jack Handy, I probably did something that's making God mad, sad, right? 
my pastoral answer to people on this question is if you are asking the question, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. And, and here's my logic on this. If there is a definitive rejection of Jesus, to the, there, there is a consistent, persistent rejection where you just keep stiff-arming God, stiff-arming God, stiff-arming God, stiff-arming God, and it is the love and kindness of God, the Holy Spirit, who draws us to recognize the Father and the Son for who they are, right? So if, if that is a work of the Spirit that opens our spiritually blind eyes, softens our hard hearts towards God, there is a point where if you resist, 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 if God ever just stops engaging us with his Spirit, of course it's unpardonable because we would have no recourse. We would have no way to open our spiritually blind eyes or soften our hearts, so now we're just kind of lost in our lostness. Um, but if you're asking the question at all, you're not there. So yeah. that, that's my, that's my uh, you know, nickel's worth of pastoral advice. I would, I would add to that just this. Um, some people are worried about it for themselves. Other people are worried about it for someone they love. Mm. So sometimes people, and I think I, I, I've always kind of, people often ask this question, you know, it comes up and it sounds like a curiosity, but oftentimes when I kind of dig a little bit, it, it will be, someone will say, you know, my child or my brother or somebody I, I know has rejected Jesus. They grew up in the church or they, you know, they profess faith at one, one point and now they're against that. Is there any hope for them? Uh, and again, with that one, um, there is no example in the Bible, um, even of someone who has strayed. You know, you think of someone like Peter who denied Jesus. There's no example of someone who was repentant from that that was then turned away because they couldn't come back. Um, when you know, when uh, someone's story is not done until it's done, uh, so we cannot definitively say who has committed the sin. Uh, Jesus happened to know the hearts of the, the people in front of him, um, but he, uh, he, we do not know uh, definitively when someone has gone so far that God says, "Okay, that's that's that uh, until it's done." So, in from our perspective, there is always hope. There's always hope. And there are lots of stories of people who have strayed for a long time. I, I know a man in our church who within the last couple of years would say, I was, I was gone. I, 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 like, I didn't think any of this was true. And then through the prayer of his wife and through the, the kindness and friendship of people in our church, he said, now I'm back. And that guy is on fire. And so um, there is always hope for people. So if, you, if that's what you're pondering as you hear this, um, I just want to reassure you, um, do not give up on the, the people in your life. All right. Any other observations from this passage? Yeah, I want to go after the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit to the whole good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit, uh, with the with the obvious observation here of whatever is on the inside will come out. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to if you're trying to determine is that a good tree, just look at its fruit. If it's a healthy tree, it'll have healthy fruit. If it's not a healthy tree, it will not have healthy fruit. Same thing with Jesus. That this is this is his argument. If you're trying to figure out who I am. Just look at what I do and what I say, and you'll and you'll figure out who who I really am. I just made this person who was harassed. I just set them free. And ask yourself, what kind of person does that? All right, let's move on to one of the M's in comma. Let's talk about message. How would you sum up a principle from this passage? My message is. Uh based off of essentially what Eric just got done talking about. Um, So my message is our actions are evidence. Our actions are evidence. My message is 
you can't remain neutral about Jesus. And I'm drawing that from the verse 30, uh, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Um, There is a line drawing that happens with Jesus. How someone responds to Jesus cannot remain undecided. You're either with him or you're against him. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. And my message is your comma tip of the week. (laughs) Have you ever read something and immediately forgot it? Maybe had to read an entire page all over again? It's kind of like if someone is talking to you and they're not sure you heard them. So they ask, what did I just say? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Sometimes people ask, how can I hear from God? Well, God is speaking to us through the Bible. So after you read the daily reading, it's good to ask, what did God just say to me? Try to write it down in a sentence or two. And that's the M message in the comma method. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's go on to the other M in comma, which is meditation. This is where we take a portion of the passage and we ponder it prayerfully and listen to what God has to say to us. I'm going to read to you verse 33. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. All right, let's talk about the A and comma application. What are we going to do in response to this? So my message was uh, our actions are evidence, and it's based off of that uh, passage that you just had us meditate on. So uh, it's this idea of examine the evidence, uh, reflect back, depending on, like, think about it this way, depending on when you're listening to this episode, maybe if it's in the morning, you're going to reflect back on the past 24 hours. If it's in the evening, reflect back on the past few hours and ask that Ask God to examine uh, and search your heart. And um, what I love about it, too, is Galatians five nineteen through 25 talks about the acts of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. And it's really good to be able to reflect back on the day and say, okay, so what, what acts of the flesh did I uh, take part in today? Uh, and how can I ask God for help to replace them with the fruit of the Spirit? And so it's just getting very practical and examine the evidence of your life. Uh, my message was you can't remain neutral about Jesus. And so uh, that's one of those ones where it's really a line in the sand kind of thing. Um, I think for myself, I've made my my uh, decision on that one, you know what I mean, where the line is. Uh, but I actually think that for even those of us who are committed to Jesus, it's worth looking at areas of our life to say, if that's really true, you can't remain neutral about something. Um, all of what we've been talking about in Matthew where it says, well, if you're not neutral with Jesus, he has certain things that he says about your life and what you should do and the attitude you should take. Um, there's a certain examining of saying, all right, is that really true? Am I, am I with Jesus on this one? Um, and just making sure that it's uh, aligned with what you say is true about that. Um, but then for some of you, 
you might be reading through this. Maybe this is kind of your first time in the Bible. You you took up the challenge. You know, Matthew is a good place to start to learn about Jesus. Maybe you're getting to the place where you've got to ask the question, okay, am I in or I out? You know, which, which way am I going to go on this Jesus thing? Because uh, there's no neutrality with him. Okay, my application is going to be in the category of helping other people come to know Jesus. If a tree is recognized by its fruit, so someone's outward behavior the words that come out of someone's mouth tells you what's on the inside of them, right? It's, it's an overflow thing. So if I want someone to come to know Jesus, I want them to see what Jesus did and what he said. Well, how do I do that? I have them read a gospel. So one of the best ways to help people come to know Jesus, if you're friends with someone or a family member, is, hey, just read the gospel of Mark or the gospel of John. Mark is shorter. That's why we often tell people to read Mark here at Christ Community. But read a gospel and then ask me whatever questions you have about Jesus. Just tell me how it strikes you. That, that's a really effective way to help people come to know Jesus. That's great. All right, friends, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.